Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 25th of August 2013, entitled The Truth of the Matter, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 26. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand with me for the honoring of the reading of God's holy word, beginning in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endured hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say. The Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. We believe not, Yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom as Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Father, we thank you again for our time together this evening, for your word that's before us, for your spirit that's within us. We pray now, Lord, that you would take thine worthy servant. Lord, that you would take and uh, through us, Lord, speak the words that need to be spoken here this evening. You know every heart. You know every need. We depend upon you for any work that's to be done and give you all the glory for it. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. The truth of the matter, of course, if you were not here this morning, and of course, I guess if you're listening online, then... Uh, the truth is, is that the first part of this is not going to be there because we had a problem with the recording this morning. Uh, but in a nutshell, we began to look this this passage this morning, and I said that really the key to all we find here is, I believe, found in verse 15. This is what's going to make the difference in our lives. This is what's going to help us to know the truth, to stand in the truth, to proclaim the truth, and to be able to avoid all the falseness when he says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We talked about that if you listen, everybody says they've got the truth. The truth is, is that I would never stand up here and I would never 
intentionally with any man. Matter of fact, I was talking with uh, some other preachers when I was just back in the States about the fact, and, and of course, one of the uh, uh, young preachers that uh, had preached his first sermon, and he was talking to me about how totally terrified that he was when he stepped into that pulpit. And my advice to him was, don't ever lose that. Uh, don't ever become so confident that you think that you can get in that pulpit and accomplish anything. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to, I guess, grasp in our understanding, but uh, uh, Brother Steve will probably have a better understanding uh, from standing here that uh, it's a terrifying thing uh, to step behind a pulpit and to proclaim God's Word. And as I said, I would never tell you wrong, but folks, I am a man. Uh, I can be wrong. Uh, churches can be wrong. Uh, denominations can be wrong, but God is never wrong. And as we looked at the importance of truth in a lot of things this morning, we began by saying, okay, well, how can we genuinely know the truth? And so we began by looking at the source of truth. And we looked into Scripture there, and we really, really focused upon two points. First of all, that God is truth. And we looked at the Scriptures that tell us where God, in all of His triunity, Elohim, God, is truth, the Bible says. And then we find that for each, each individual uh, person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that that attribute is, uh, again, placed upon each and every one of them within the Word of God. God is truth. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Uh, we find that if we're going to go to the source, there's only one place to go, and that's to God. And of course, how do we know God's truth? God gives us His truth in His Word. God is truth and God's Word is truth. This is where we have to go to. And when you stand before God one day, Though I would never guide you wrong, though I would never teach you wrong, though I would never preach wrong intentionally, God is not going to judge you upon what I said to you. He's going to judge you upon what he said to you. This is the source. In the end, I don't care if it's me or whatever preacher that's standing in the pulpit. It must be supported by the Word of God. If it departs from this book, I don't care how rational that it might seem. If it, if it is contrary to anything in this book, then it's not right. And so we find that, first of all, the source of truth, there's only one place. We can't trust anything else except God himself and his word that he's given to us. Secondly, the significance of truth. And we began there by looking, first of all, of the significance of truth, that truth is significant to the sinner. And, of course, we, we, we looked in verse 25 and 26 in our reading where it said, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. We looked at a number of things in Scripture. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. I know that's not popular today. But we talk about a lot of people that are so sincere. We talked about some of those this morning, the various groups. They, they sincerely love God. They sincerely want to serve God. They sincerely have a, a good dose of religion in their life, but they have sincerely missed the truth. It's based on something that is false, something that is not real. And so therefore, if anyone is to ever come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, if anyone has any hope of eternity with God, it's the truth that is significant, the truth of all of God's Word, specifically the gospel. There is no other way for a sinner to be saved. But I want you to notice, and we certainly don't have time to, to dwell on a lot of this this evening, but truth is not only significant to the sinner, but it's significant to the saved. It's significant to you and I. Uh, we find that as we look into Scripture, almost everything that we read here in the first 24 verses of this Bible is dealing with us and the importance of it. And notice he, he begins, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know, people can be great teachers. They can have a great ability to share things with people. But if they're being taught wrong, it doesn't matter. And so if the only way that we can honestly, genuinely teach others is through the Word of God, finding His place in our hearts by teaching them the truth. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You all know that, that the Christian life is not always an easy life, and, and there is a fight that is going on, and there is a war to be fought. There are many places in Scripture 
that allude to that fighting and the putting on the armor. And of course, we've been singing about it and taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's our defense. We don't need to fear Satan. We don't need to fear those principalities of the air either. We've got a fight that's on our hands. But the only way that we're going to win that fight, the only way we're going to endure as a good soldier is with the truth. He goes on to say there that no man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, a soldier's got to be committed. He's got to be committed to the one that he serves. And one of the very first things that you learn when you go into any military force anywhere in the world that's of any significance whatsoever is to follow orders. You do what you're told. You don't question it. You do what you're told. Too many times we want to say, well, God, are you sure that's the way you want to do it? Or is this the time you want to do that? Or why do you want to do that? If we're going to be good soldiers, we can't be entangled with the affairs of this world. We need to follow the orders of our commander-in-chief, which is Jesus Christ himself. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully? You know, you can try to be the best at anything, whether it's fighting a battle or whether it's uh, running in a race or whether it's some other form of athletics or whatever competition that it might be. But if you don't follow the rules, you can't win. You'll be disqualified. And the Bible is teaching us here that, you know, unless we know how that we're supposed to be running lawfully, how are we going to be able to ever achieve that which we're striving for? The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. How are you going to share with somebody else something that you don't have yourself, something that hasn't found a place in your heart first? You know, that's why I said that the first thing that many times when a person gets saved, you know, they don't know anything else. They don't know all these great doctrines that we know and and all these things, you know, that are so important to us later in our Christian life. They know that their sins have been forgiven. They know that they've been born again, and they get excited about that, and they want to tell everybody about that. When Jesus said, be a witness for me, you know, you don't have to know anything else to be a witness to somebody except what Jesus did for you. You just need to know what God did for you, and you can share that with others. People can get all excited about a lot of truths, and there's so many wonderful truths that you'll never get to the bottom of all of them that are in Scripture. But the most important at all is how to be born again. But that's got to find a resting place in your heart first. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Do you believe God gave us the Bible to confuse us? We confuse ourselves. We do a good job of that. Uh, The simple truth is, is he's promised to give us understanding. And he's given us the Holy Spirit specifically for that purpose. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Again, Paul is focusing back to this certainly most important thing in his ministry, the preaching of the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, we find that, uh, uh, that even in this world, there are many things that are bound, and every unsaved person that we, that we meet are, are, are bound up in the chains of sin, but the Word of God has no bounds. <laughs> There's nothing that can bind the Word of God to keep it from going out to accomplish that which it goes out to accomplish Therefore, he says, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. A lot of confusion over the elect and who they are and who they're not and all these different things. But I'll tell you one thing for sure today. If you're a child of God, you're one of his elect. Amen. And the simple truth is, it is only the truth of salvation that anyone can ever be saved. It is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. So many times we try to give people the truth and they they just don't believe it. They don't want anything to do with it. They think that it's a, a bunch of fairy tales or something. Well, the simple truth is, is that whether they believe it or not, it doesn't change that it's the truth of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. You know, too many times we're more concerned about winning an argument, about showing somebody how clever that we are, of how much we know, than we are of truly the truth getting through to their heart. 
You know, he's, he's, he's just charging us here. Before the Lord, he says, strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. You know, it's the truth that will overcome. It doesn't matter, you know, you're not having to prove yourself. It's like I've said many times uh, that so many times people that come, I mentioned this morning the, the Jehovah's Witnesses coming and knocking on our doors, and they put us to shame a lot of times uh, because of their witness, but of course they're not witnessing to the truth. They don't believe Jesus Christ is who he said he was. We find that it doesn't matter how sincere that they are, that without the truth, sincerity will accomplish nothing. You must be sincere but you must be sincere in the truth. We find that uh, the Word of God is, is making it very, very clear to us here that, you know, as children of God, it is the Word of God that will subvert the hearers. It's the Word of God that will change them. I had those JWs coming to my house one time for, for several months, uh, and they kept bringing back somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. I guess they were determined to convert that Baptist preacher into a Jehovah's Witness. The thing is, I never slammed the door on them. I never argued with them, but I would challenge them with the Word of God. Simply, you know, they would start uh, trying to put their point and rather than saying, well, that's not wrong or that's not right because look what it says over here. I would put the monkey on their back, so to speak. I'd say, okay, well, if... If that's true, can you explain to me uh, how, how does that relate to this verse over here? And I'd ask them to take the Bible to show me. I try not to put those. It's the Word of God that will change them. All of our arguments in the world can be to no profit, but the Word of God is what will change their hearts. That's why verse 15, that key there to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Sometimes we want to be approved before men. Now, you know, I don't, I don't know many people that just, you know, in their natural form that desires to, uh, to, to be disapproved by men, uh, to, to be disliked by others, uh, to be thought of as, uh, as uh, I started to say ignorant, but uh, less than of utmost intelligence by those around them. But the simple truth is, is that we've got the truth. When we study God's Word, it's really only God, He says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. You know, we don't need man's approval. We need God's approval. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Regardless of what great history and science and everything else that they may throw at you, the thing is we need not be ashamed of the truth that we hold, the truth in God's Word. And as saints, we need that, rightly dividing the Word of truth. You know, it's easy. It's easy to try to take God's Word and to prove what we believe rather than taking God's Word and let it guide us into what we believe. Everything that we believe should be supported by the Word of God, but we can't take the Word and mess around with it and try to, uh, to make our points fit in with what we believe or what's comfortable for us, whether we fully understand it or not. We know that it's all truth. We've got to be grounded upon that truth. And we're studying to be approved to God, to be able to be workmen for Him that are not ashamed of what we know, rightly dividing the word of truth. We must handle it carefully. I made the statement this morning, and I'll make it again this evening. You know, so many times people talk about how important that the word of God is to them, how important that the truth is to them. But at the same time, if we know it from cover to cover, if we can quote it from cover to cover, and we know all those things within it, but it's not applied and making a difference in our life, then it's of no use. We find that the Word of God will change us. The Word of God will make us into what God wants us to be, not what we want to be. And of course, then he gives us some instruction to do something the opposite with that, which is not true. He says, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. You know, we can find all kind of teachings today, all kind of teachings that err from the Word of God. All kind of teachings that may be on some kind of a rational level or some kind of man's intelligence and whatnot that they make all kind of sense and, and we try to reason these things out. But the Bible says they're like a canker. They're like a boil. They're like a sore. They just eat away. That little bit of leaven leaveneth the whole bunch. We have to be careful 
Because when we say that something's not important that God says is important and we allow that error to creep in, then the simple truth is, is that we're in trouble. We're in trouble. We're supposed to, to shun those things, he says. But even though that we can find all kind of error being taught around us, well, I love verse 19. He says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. All of man's profane and vain babblings, all the things that he might come, it's not going to change the word of God. Nothing, you don't have to worry about it being proved wrong. You don't have to worry about man suddenly finding a mistake with God. This is God's word. It is therefore truth from cover to cover and the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Does the Lord know you this evening? Do you belong to the Lord? You know, that's the most important question that we can answer in this life. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You know, I, I wish probably more than anybody out there, at least as much as, that what some would say about sinless perfection, that we could somehow do something in this life, that we could arrive at a place that we could, could truly be like Jesus right now. Boy, I'd love that so much. But unfortunately, it's just not true. That's not a license to sin. That doesn't mean that, uh, matter of fact, uh, Paul talks about that when he's writing to the church at Rome, and he's talking, you know, well, you know, we're talking about God's grace being so big, and it's so big you can't measure it. It's so big that you can't describe it. But he said, you know, in order for God's grace to be seen, should we sin just to prove how gracious God is? He said, God forbid. How can we even think such a thing? You know, the Bible says we should depart from iniquity. We should be holy as he is holy. We should strive. Jesus Christ is the one. But it's only the truth, the word of God. It's not man's standards. It's not man's rules. It's not the church's ideas that they come up with. It is God himself that gives us the truth whereby that we can live our lives in a way that will approve him. Now, I trust and pray. You know, I, I am a part of this church because I believe this church stands upon that truth. I know that there are many good people out there, good Christians that, that don't believe exactly like we do on some of those things. And for the last three years almost, we've been talking about those things that are foundational, that are fundamental to the faith, those things that are important to us as a local church even but recognizing that there are others that disagree with us. But if there was another church that I thought was closer to the Word of God, then that's where I'd want to be. You know, we're far from perfect. And when we begin to look at ourselves and we begin to realize how failing that each and every one of us are, instead of looking at everybody else, you can find, you can find something wrong with everybody here and everybody that's not here tonight. But God's Word is what will change us. And it's God's word that we should be living according to. It's God's word that will help us to be able to know how to live our lives and to depart from that iniquity. But he says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. And we look around and Unfortunately, everything that all of us do is not honoring to the Lord. You know, I have thoughts sometimes that I shouldn't have. I say things too quick sometimes without thinking. I do a lot of things in the flesh that, boy, sometimes if, it, if taking a horse whip and beating myself would help, I'd do it. But unfortunately, that's another falseness that's taught. <laughs> Somehow you can purge yourself here on this earth. The truth is, though, is it all comes back to the truth matters so much to us. We've got to be implanted in this truth. He says, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strives. We can argue about a lot of things. And do you know that most of the problems that destroy the church, not only in numbers, but in effectiveness today, don't come from the enemies on the outside. They come from the strifes and all the stuff on the inside. You know, one of the greatest challenges, and folks, you know, I guess that the greatest responsibility that a pastor has is, of course, proclaiming the truth, both to the lost that they can be saved 
to those that are saved for all these reasons that we're, that we're talking about. And that's an awesome, awesome responsibility that, that we have to take so very seriously. You know, probably when it comes down to practical things, probably the greatest task he has is simply keeping the unity of the people. Because somebody's got something that upset them that somebody else said, that somebody else did. They don't like what they did here. They don't like what they did there. The devil knows when he starts driving those wedges in, he can separate and he can divide. And we, we talked this morning about all our day where that so much wants to be, the doctrine wants to be took away and all these important things want to be done away with because they divide. But they do divide. They divide the truth from the false. They divide the genuine from the artificial. True fellowship can only be found in the truth. He says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strives, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. That's hard for us sometimes because, <laughs> boy, doesn't it get frustrating sometimes? Especially maybe if it's somebody that you've been taking the Word of God and you've been trying to, to show them such a simple truth. Maybe it's how to be saved, or maybe it's a, a fellow believer that you're trying to show them some simple truth that's, that's in the Word of God, and they just can't get it. Sometimes you can get really frustrated. The thing is, there's things that we all don't get. We need to be patient with each other. We need to be loving. You know, we've got it on our, on our sign out front. We've got it uh, uh, on our bulletin somewhere here, I think, too. Uh, we've got it on a lot of stuff that says simply speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. We can never depart from the truth. But this is part of what he's saying to us here. Even when we have the truth, it's important how we speak it. So we see all these things here. Why that truth is so significant. If we depart from the truth in any way, then it's going to, to affect all these ways. And I've, I've just made a list of a number of things that, uh, uh, that we find in, in, in the Word of God. Why that the truth is so important to the Christian one very familiar passage, I'm sure, to all of you is in 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we find these words. He says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, get rid of those things that are the flesh. And he says in verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. It's only through the Word of God that we're ever going to grow. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of good things that we enjoy and that we enjoy. And, I, and I've told, you know, I love your fellowship. You know, I like the, I like the fact too well that, that, that we like to eat around here. We like to fellowship and we like to, to enjoy each other's company. And most people are surprised that usually the, the time of fellowship following the service is as long as the service itself. I enjoy spending time with all of you. But you know, the greatest desire of all is that as Christians, that we have the Word of God. When anything that we do, desire the sincere milk of the Word. If we come to church just for the singing, I love singing, the right kind of singing. If we come just for the fellowship, if anything begins to take higher priority than our desire for the sincere milk of the Word, that we as believers might be able to grow. We don't want to stay babies forever. Uh, again, that's what, that's what uh, uh, Paul had to, to, to chasten the, the church at Corinth over. You know, they ought to have been able to ready to, to take the meat of the Word, and yet they were still having to be fed like babies. Too many Christians today. It's only by the truth that that can happen. In the Gospel of John chapter 18, of course, these verses... Uh, leading up to it where Jesus is, is getting ready to depart and getting ready to, uh, to go to the cross and, and he's trying to prepare his disciples and he's praying that great prayer, not only for them but for us. But he arrives at Gethsemane and in John chapter 18, notice what he says down in verse 37. He says, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and to this, for this cause came I unto this world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth, what does he say? Heareth my voice. <laughs> you know, if it's not truth, it's not Christ speaking. 
It's only through the Word of God that we can hear Him. You know, I'm glad that, have you ever just got so excited in things the Lord, maybe the Lord did something for you that was just so exciting that you just, just got beside yourself and you found it hard to contain the, the joy and the excitement and, and that's a wonderful feeling and I'm, I'm glad that, that the things of God can, can affect me that way sometimes. But you know, emotions will come and go. Many of the things that we experience in our Christian life come from all walks and all areas of our life. But the thing that first of all, makes us his child. And the thing that we know comes from the Lord is when he speaks to us through his word. This is where we hear his voice. He tells us just a couple of pages back in your Bible in John chapter 16 and in verse 13, he says, how be it when he, the spirit, the Holy Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. If we're going to be guided in this life as Christians, you know, we can be guided by a lot of things, but it's the truth of God's Word that is significant to us. If we're going to be guided the way that God wants to guide us, yes, the Holy Spirit speaks through us, but the Holy Spirit uses God's Word to speak to us as well. We find in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, notice what he says there beginning in verse uh, 17. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, listen, this I say therefore in testifying the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus." that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Do you realize what that one verse would do to change our lives, to change the, the, the oneness, the unity of believers, both within the local church and amongst other churches? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Whatever they've done wrong, however they've offended you, whatever you, it is that you see that you think is so ungodly, when we begin to speak words that in any way puts them down and hurts them, rather than by grace, by trying to lift them up, he says edifying that it might minister grace unto the hearers. Well, if Christians, we could learn to treat each other with the same grace that God treats us with. If we could have the same kind of, of forgiving spirit and love that he has towards each and every one of us, we find that it would change our lives. He says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You find it hard to forgive somebody because of something they've said or something that they've done or some way that they've let you down. Just remember what God did for you. Just remember how God forgives you. Just remember all the times that you failed him, and yet he doesn't love you one bit less because of that. If we're going to be able to walk as the Christians should walk, if we're going to be able to walk together as Christians, then it's the truth 
that's going to help us to be able to do that and to accomplish that. John wrote in 1 John chapter 4 and in verse 6, he tells us here, he says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you know that that's an awesome thing that we have within us when we know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It doesn't matter whether what obstacle that it might be, what challenge that it might be, or what falseness that it might be bringing against us. The simple truth is, is that it's only through the truth that we'll be able to recognize it, that we'll be able to overcome it, that we'll be able to be who we need to be. There are many other things I could give you from Scripture. We find in Psalm 119.42 that it's there that helps the Christian to be able to answer reproaches. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, to be able to experience freedom. Psalm chapter 40, verse 11, to be preserved. Psalm 91, verse 4, to be protected. And of course, John chapter 4, verse 24, that familiar verse that tells us that even to worship Him, if we're going to worship Him, we can only worship Him in spirit and in truth. And in truth, do you realize that when error comes in, when we're doing anything, no matter how great that we want to be magnifying God and doing it for God, that if it falls outside the boundaries of truth, then it's not worship. We can't worship Him like that. So folks, it's clear from God's Word. It really is a matter of, of truth. It is the truth that matters in everything, the source of truth, God Almighty and His Word. That's the only sure foundation of truth. With all the greatest books written in this world, there's only one source that we can be absolute in. The significance of truth, well, we've just scratched the surface. Without truth, there is no hope for mankind. No one will ever be able to come to Christ without the truth of the gospel. And the Christian will never be able to grow, will never be able to accomplish, will never be able to, to be what God wants us to be without the truth. That's what the Bible so clearly teaches us, is so necessary in our lives. We find that in Romans chapter 2, and in verse 2, the Bible tells us this. He says, but if we are sure, that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. We are sure. You see, it's not only what we're going to live our lives by, but I said this morning, when we stand before God one day, it's not going to be what somebody else thought was right and wrong with your life. There's one truth that you're going to be judged by. And that's this book right here. It's God's Word, God's truth. That's what we will all give an account one day when we stand before God. And he opens the books. So we see the source of truth, the significance of truth. I want to give you one final thought this evening. And I take that from, uh, again, from our text, from what he says there in verse 19 that we read a while ago. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity the source of truth, the significance of truth, but folks, the security of truth. When we know that we've got the truth, we can't be any more secure. You see, doubts come in when we're unsure about something, when we don't have that confidence in something. If we understand that the source of truth is from God and from His Word, if we begin to grasp the significance of that truth in our lives, we should begin to be secure in that truth. We don't have to fear the devil. We don't have to wonder what it's going to be like when we stand before God one day, whether we're going to make it in or whether we're not, how we're going to weigh up in the balances because we're not going to be judged by ourselves if we're in Christ. We stand before God at the marriage supper of the Lamb, at the judgment seat of Christ, we find that as Christians, we're not being judged for our salvation because that's sorted in Christ. 
Oh, we'll give an account for the things done in the body, both good and bad, the Bible says. There's going to be a reward. There's going to be crowns that are going to be passed out and all of those things that are taking place, but that's not to do with our salvation. You know, when they stand at the great white throne of judgment, and again, when they're judged out of God's truth, we don't have to worry about that because the Bible teaches us that we're not going to be there. You see, as Christians, we should be encouraged. We should be strengthened, and yes, we should also be, be challenged, every one of us, to be more than what we are. You know, I guess one of the, one of the hard things, I know some of you young people may, uh, may find this hard to grasp, but as you get older, as you get older, and as you begin to look, you begin to realize more and more how important each day is. What we do for the Lord today you know, I can look back and I see so many, so many wasted hours and so many wasted days. I've never met a believer when he got to the end of his life that wished that he had done less for the Lord. I've never met one. I've certainly met many like myself that even as we approach that latter part of our lives, we sure wish we'd made the first part count more. We can't change where we've been, folks. We can't do anything about yesterday now. We can leave here today and we can either do nothing about today or we can do something about it. It's the truth that's going to, to make the difference in our lives. But we need to be a people of confidence. God's people should have confidence. How confident can we be in the truth? How secure are we in the truth that we have in God's Word? Well, notice what he says in Psalm 40 and verse 11. In Psalm 40... And verse 11, the Word of God says this. He says, Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. You need to be preserved? Oh, you're, you're secure. Let God's Word preserve you, not man's words. Not the things that's worked. Turn just a few pages over in your Bible and look what it says in Psalm 91 and in verse 4. Psalm 91, verse 4 says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Well, he's all the protection that you possibly you need. You know Why? Because we're talking about the only pure truth that there is. We're talking about the truth that is God's truth. And do you know that His truth, I'm going to give you four things. First of all, His truth is invincible. It's invincible. Notice what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And notice what He says in verse 7 and 8. He says, now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. We can do nothing against the truth. You know that all the forces of hell, everything that the enemy can bring against you, everything your friends and family and your worst enemies can bring against you, God's truth is invincible. God's truth is invincible. They can't destroy it. They can't do anything with it. We could look at illustration after illustration in history where man has tried his best to destroy God's truth, to take away the, the Bibles from humankind but they've never been able to do it. God's truth. You know, even if they take this book with these printed pages that I have right here, and even if they throw it in the fire and burn it, God's truth doesn't change. God's truth is invincible. It needs to be in your heart. It needs to be in your life. Notice what he tells you also in Psalm 108. Psalm 108. Something else that should excite you about God's truth. Psalm 108 verse 4 says, for, the, for thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. 
Not only is it invincible, it's inexhaustible. I would simply say this. I, I, I've shared with you many times, you know, that as a minister of God's Word, no greater honor that God could have ever given me, no greater grace could have ever been needed for it. You know, the amazing thing, and I've told you time and again, I guess most of you can kind of figure it out from how short my sermons are usually. You know, the greatest, the greatest thing that I have when I'm sitting and studying and preparing is, Brother Steve, how can we ever get through it all? There's so much there. There's there. The answer is there for everything that we need in life. Everything that we need is there, and yet, how are we ever going to get through all of it? It's inexhaustible. Can you imagine any book that you've got on your library shelf, no matter how thick that it might be, there comes a time when you can study and you can know all the material in there. The Bible talks about His Word reaching right into the clouds. You'll never, ever, ever be able to exhaust this book. It's there for you. It's invincible. It's inexhaustible. Notice what he says just a few pages back in Psalm 100 and in verse 5 says, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Now, <laughs> this was the psalmist writing. And that was a long time ago, a few thousand years ago. <laughs> and I know some of us may look it, but none of us are that old. And yet, through all those generations that it's taken to get to where we are today, God's truth still endures to every generation. God's truth will still endure if God tarries and bear the return of our Lord for us. It'll still endure to the next generation as well. God's truth is invincible. It's inexhaustible. It's indiscriminate. And in Psalm 117, I want to give you this final thought. Psalm 117 and in verse 2, it says, For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. It's interminable. It's everlasting. It's eternal. Nothing can come against it. Nothing can destroy it. Nothing can take it away. It's inexhaustible. There's always more there for you. For whatever your need is, it's going to be there. It's indiscriminate. It's there for all those, to every generation, to all those who will truly seek it. His answers are there. And it's interminable. It's everlasting. It's forever. Nothing else in this world. You stop and think about that. <laughs> the only eternal thing in this world at this time is God <laughs> in His presence, His Word, and you if Christ lives within you. If he dwells within you, then that's forever. The truth matters. The truth of the matter is, is that nothing else in all the world matters so much for us. There's not a field of service anywhere in the world that doesn't demand the right dividing of the word of truth. That's what our key verse told us there in verse 15. Rightly dividing the word of truth. We all need reminding sometimes of God's great truths. You know, one of the amazing things is that, you know, as a child of God, I've never, ever, ever gotten tired of being reminded of God's precious truths from His Word. In Second Peter chapter 1 and in verse 12, the Word of God says, Second Peter, that's First Peter, no wonder it didn't look right. <laughs> Second Peter Chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Paul said, I won't be negligent. <laughs> I'm not going to neglect putting you in remembrance of these things, even though that it's things that you already know. Because that's what's going to establish us. That's the truths that are going to change us. You know, for me as, as a pastor, I guess one of the things that first brought this to mind 
as I was praying and pondering over what God would, would have me preach today, was really a subject, a, a text that we've looked at a number of times. But I would read it to you because it is, yes, it is a specific challenge to every man of God, every pastor that stands to preach and teach, but to each and every one of us as Christians. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, it begins in verse 11, and it says, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love. May grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The truth of the matter is, is that the truth matters. It does matter, but not in a way that we should get cocky and prideful and feeling that we've got all the answers and nobody does, but simply that we would search the Scriptures daily. We would seek God's truth in everything that we do. The only source of truth is God Himself, which is given to us through His Word. The significance of it is like no other because there's nothing else that can give you hope or the people that you know that are not saved yet except the truth of the gospel of what Jesus Christ did. There's nothing else that can build you up and change you and make you and make your life what God wants it to be as a child of God except the truth that is there. Oh, but you can be secure in that truth. <laughs> you can know it's there. It's there for you. It's there forever. It's there for every need that you might have. And it's sufficient. It's sufficient against whatever might come against you. The truth of the matter is that the truth really does matter. Father, thank you so much this evening, Lord, just to be reminded. I know that, Father, it's so easy for us to, to be sidetracked on many things, but just this very, very simple thought today, the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is that the truth does matter. It matters in everything. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, individually as Christians and, Lord, corporately together as we bind ourselves into a body of believers. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to stand upon your truth, to be secure in that truth. Lord, not to fail to proclaim that truth both to the lost that need to be saved and, Lord, to the Christians that need to be strengthened and built up and encouraged, Lord, that it might make us more like our Savior day by day. We know that we fail you so miserably. We know that we're so far from perfection, yet, Lord, it's your, it's your word, your truth that will help to conform us into that which you want us to be. We give you all the praise for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 